up, people? Welcome back to Internash Podcast. I'm thrilled to introduce Shirley Gu as our guest for today's podcast. Shirley is the founder and CEO of Infinity Coaching Institute, which is a professional career coaching firm providing tailored career consulting services to international students and skilled migrants. In today's podcast, we will dive deep into her inspiring journey from an international student to a CEO and cover some major challenges she faced as an international student in Australia. We will also discuss some must-have skills that are important to land your first job in Australia. So if you're an international student looking for your first job or someone planning to come to Australia, this podcast is just for you. So check it out. Thank you so much, Shirley, for taking the time out and doing this podcast. Looking at your experience of working in major companies and starting your own company, I'm sure our audience will gain a lot from this podcast. So thank you for doing this and thank you for oh, being thanks here. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Let's start with your story. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about your background, what you yeah. started and, you know, when uh, Australia happened and what you're doing right now? Yeah, yeah, sure. So I was born in China. Yeah. I came from a city close to Shanghai and I came to Australia back in 2002 as an international student all by myself. So back then was really tough because um, I thought I, I knew English, but uh, when I start to hear people say like, good day, I'm like, oh, what, what, what is that? Because I was taught to greet people with how do you do, which is like really old school. So I think in the, the first year, like the language barrier is a real challenge. Yeah. And um, also in the two years that I was like in high school, I studied Bowen High School for my year 11 and 12. Uh, I had to change like five different homestead families for all sorts of reasons. And um, I, I was pretty well protected when I was, you know, a child in, in China. And parents were like, well, just focus on study. Don't worry about anything else. So I literally didn't know how to do any housework until I arrived in Australia. I remember the first day when I landed, there's something not quite right with my luggage. Couldn't open it. And the first thing that I thought about is give my dad a call. Like, hey, dad. <laughs> what should I do now when I look back I'm like oh I can't believe like my parents just like you know let me go when I got so limited life skills but um yeah so that's how I got started at the age of 17 and two years later um started my VCE and uh, lucky I got a good score of 99.65 so I can literally like you know pick any um, degree that I like so my parents are pretty typical Chinese parents like okay cool so you can pick from like medicine law or commerce so I picked uh, accounting and finance as my major and got my degree from Melbourne Uni I got two internships during my summer holidays back in China one uh, is in the finance department in Bank of China the other one is in international trade department in uh, Standard Chartered Bank so I, I did have some exposure in terms of what commercial banks do in China, but in terms of what's my real passion or my calling, I wasn't sure. I, that, that's how I kind of yeah. picked my, um, you know, uh, career goal, not because I'm so passionate about it. I pretty much picked the one that I dislike the least <laughs> at that time. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. And I resonate with that so much as well, because whether it's China or South Asia, or even like a lot of countries in Southeast Asia, like lawyer, 
mm. um, doctor, engineer, commerce are the only for yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you mentioned that you also got internships um, and like that turned into a job uh, mm-hmm. at ANZ, if I'm not wrong? Yeah, it's a little bit more story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it actually took me 12 months to finally oh, wow. got into the institutional banking grad program at AMVET. Because okay. I mentioned I graduated by the end of 2008, yeah. which is in the middle of global financial crisis. So like, you know, most okay. of the banks are going through restructuring. A lot of people, you know, lost their job. And here I am, an international student, just got my PR, got no local work experience, trying to get into one of the top banks, be it like, you know, uh, management trainee so since most of my like you know friends graduated the year before pretty much all got their job within 12 months uh, within two months time I'm like well give myself three months she should be all right was bloody hard and I got like rejected by probably like 50 to 60 different companies in their programs and um, by the end of it like I remember the first time when I applied for it, I got to the final round with ANZ and they asked me like, oh, hey, Shirley, so uh, why do you want to work for institutional banking? I'm like, um, I was well prepared for most of the questions, but not that particular one. Because when I applied for web program online, there was an option called no preference when it comes to different divisions. I'm like, well, you know, I'm not picky as long as you guys will take me, I, I don't mind to work in you know, any department. And to be honest, I wasn't quite sure about what's the difference between institutional banking with you know, corporate or business banking back then. So when they asked me that question, I'm like, um, to be honest, I didn't pick this division in particular. I got allocated to this stream probably because I got a finance honest background and I can still remember the expression on the HR face. She's like, Oh, okay, Shirley. So um, do you know what we do here in install? I'm like, oh yeah, I uh, look up your website last night and I kind of like, you know, just repeated what kind of memorize about the, the division's description. I'm like, oh, okay. And um, so a few days later, I got a call from the graduate team. They're like, oh, Shirley, like, you know, just to let you know, you, you didn't get it. Like, you know, overall you performed well, but there are three areas for improvement for you. First of all, you didn't show very strong, um, you know, passion about working in institutional banking. I'm like, yeah, fair enough. And <laughs> secondly, you, you don't have much local work experience because a lot of the other candidates have started working part-time in their second year of uni. And certainly I, my performance during the group interview wasn't that great, which is fair enough. That's my very first uh, group interview mm-hmm. and I was the only international student. When I look back now, that's, you know, um, a good learning experience because I, I haven't really, um, you know, been through any interviews with a large organization before. And um, back then I thought with great results, with permanent residency, with, you know, some internship experience, you'll be job ready. But that tells me like, you know, it requires a lot more behind it. You need to be, Mm -hmm. you know, more more confident to promote yourself and you need to know about the industry. And you also need to build up your like networking skills and your, you know, um, business acumen from just walking not studying the library, which is something I completely missed out. So Mm -hmm. during the next 12 months, I 
like luckily I, I did well in my uni so I got a shooter position from Melbourne uni so yeah. I taught um, first year accounting and third year finance which mm. you know Melbourne uni pays their tutor very well so I don't have to ask my parents for money during the semester and I also found a um, like entry-level position in a local accounting firm so that I can get a bit more exposure mm. and by the end of that year I also got a opportunity to volunteer myself as a teacher in a rural primary school in China after a huge earthquake in Sichuan province. So wow. that's also a very um, life-changing experience for me. Mm. So that really challenges a lot of my original thoughts in terms yeah. of what success means to me mm. and what, what was the fulfillment and meaning of a career. Because before that, it's all about, you know, you, you got into a, you know, top company and you work on nice office with great ocean view on Collins Street. And, you know, you, you travel around and put all, all those nice photos when you travel in Europe on Facebook and Instagram and got lots of likes. And you, you hang out with your, your, your friends for Friday night drinks. You know, that's my that's definition nice yeah. Yeah, yeah. of success and living, living a happy life. But I think that two months kind of challenged the status quo like you know wow. I, I was really happy but I didn't have any of that yeah. so I'm like one day I probably want to work on something that's gonna give me the same kind of fulfillment that's yeah. gonna be my calling so mm -hmm. I think that kind of you know triggered me to end up moving on from the bank mm -hmm. to start my own business yeah. however like you know the next year when I when I come back you know feeling refreshed I applied for other what programs, particularly institutional banking, A and Z. Because I'm like, uh, I did so you knew where you're going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, part of me is, you know, very like I want to prove people that they are wrong. <laughs> That's part of my ego speaking. Like, I need to <laughs> make it happen. So I, I moved to the final round again. And then when they asked me, like, you know, why do you want to work for institutional banking? I gave them the textbook answer that I have because like over a hundred times. Also talk wow. a lot of people who are working there. So I got a lot more insights about what they do on a daily basis. And toward the end, before the end of the interview, they asked me a question that I didn't prepare. What is your biggest failure over the last two years? And how do you pick yourself up from that failure? I'm like, you know what? I was rejected by you guys in this interview room last year. <laughs> that was my biggest failure for me. Like, you know, study was a smooth ride, but when yeah. I graduated and started looking for a job, it was bloody hard. And I was told, you know, I, I didn't, didn't have strong motivation to work in install. I didn't have strong work experience in Australia. And my communication skill during the group interview wasn't that strong. So this is what I did over the last 12 months. And bam, I got it. And I was the wow. only Chinese international student got into the grad program in that particular division that year. But I didn't think fundamentally I changed that much, but I have learned you know, how to be a more employable uh, you know, graduate rather than just be a good student. So yeah. there is a big gap when you, you know, graduate from uni, you used to, you know, just have to focus on your study and everyone was trying to help you out. But in a work environment, it's more about, you know, on the job learning and you need to figure out, you know, how to interact with people, how to solve problems. And there's no textbook teach you all of that. You just have to learn from your mistake and, you know, keep on involving. I think yeah. that's what I learned from that trauma. 
when I got rejected so many times, when I actually like, you know, kind of feel like my confidence has been hit to the bottom yeah. and you kind of slowly build that up again through trial and error. And finally mm-hmm. you, you made it. So I think that's a really valuable um, life experience. That is so cool, right? Because it, it is a full circuit. First of all, like getting rejected by the same company and then getting a job in the same company, right? And and it wasn't that you just applied. You actually worked on yourself. Um, and it was not just out of ego. If it was just out of ego, you wouldn't have worked on yourself. You wouldn't have mm-hmm. done, you know, the selfless things that you did back in China, helped all those people, actually worked in accounting firm, got a part-time job. And I'm sure it would have been uh, pretty difficult as well. But I think the very important lesson that I'm taking out of this is how was a feedback which you took positively Mm. you worked on that feedback and then you decide that okay cool now I'm actually ready to to do it and then you actually got a job at um, the job that you were looking for um, you know for you wanted that job for a long time and then you actually did that and did that for a couple of years Um, and then next, you ventured into um, career coaching. And, and I, I know that a lot of our um, listeners would be like really interested into this, which is like, um, everybody wants to progress in their career. Mm-hmm. But I want to specifically focus on on the first job. Mm-hmm. What are the skills yeah. that international students should acquire in order mm-hmm. to get that first job easily? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, let me take like, you know, graduate program, for example, because I think um, that's got a more like, you know, standard and transparent uh, criteria. So a couple of things like, you know, you, you need to have decent score, basically like above 65 should be all right to give you most of the um, company's interview. Well, apart from like investment banking and management consulting, um, apparently. And secondly, like, you know, have two um solid work experiences like it can be like you know a part-time job it can be an internship or it can be starting your own business but it's not one of those internships when you just sit there getting people coffee or you know watching your colleagues doing stuff it's about like you know get getting deeply involved in those work and that doesn't consider as a solid work experience yeah I, I used to talk to uh, one of the hiring manager at AMZ I'm like well you know as an international student you, you couldn't uh, apply for an internship in banks for example they require permanent residency so how do they get relevant experience with that limitation he's like you know what I, I screen a lot of CV for someone who got like you know an internship at Bank of China in Melbourne for example most of them got that through the connection from their family so it's not them, it's their parents who's doing the hard work. He's like, I would appreciate people who got some experience volunteering their time in Salvation Army or Red Cross, because I know they took the initiative and they have put in the effort to do something about it. And even some of my clients who didn't have any relevant work experience, but like, you know, worked in Mecca's or KFC for two years, they got asked a lot about their experience during the interview. Because, you know, it's quite stressful work and requires very strong teamwork. And you have to, like, you know, react very quickly to solve all those problems and deal with difficult clients. Like, you know, in a retail environment, it's a really good training ground for you to improve your English communication skills, people skill, and, you know, how, how to 
take ownership of your work. So those things, like, you know, whether you are like, you know, working retail, uh, you know, during like Christmas break, mm-hmm. or if you can get an internship in a, you know, company that's related to your major, or even if you yeah. couldn't get in Australia, when you go back to your home country for holiday, could mm-hmm. you get some local experience to demonstrate that you have applied the skills and learning into yeah. real workplace and you, you do your work, you know, with a strong yeah. work ethics, be there on time, you know, uh, you, you can handle constructive feedback and you, you can manage your own work. Those things are really important. And on top of that, if you can, you know, um, study some hands-on skills, such as like, you know, learning how to use Python, how to do like, you know, uh, really great PowerPoint slides, because it's kind of your, you know, butter and bread once you work in the bank, Excel, PowerPoint. These days, probably like, you know, Python, Tableau, or SQL, like one of them. And, you know, if you are looking for a marketing job, teach yourself how to edit video, how to, you know, use Photoshop, all of that, demonstrate you are not just doing the subject, you actually are so interested in it, you have starting to, like, build up your hands-on skills and create your own portfolio, so you can actually show people this is what I have done, rather than, even if I don't have any relevant experience, but I got the degree and I can learn, well, everyone tell others they are good learner they are good at you know communication but you know you you need to have some strong supporting evidence to back it up and the final thing is start networking from day one very interesting and and networking is the key right like networking meeting new people meeting just more people and when you meet more people some of them is going to be interesting um not asking them for favors but just introducing yourself and just building connection i think that yeah. is really important build the connection first well my rule of is you know if you want to um ask people for a favor at least have three really like you know um meaningful and pleasant interaction with them before you ask them for anything. Because I have so many people at me on LinkedIn. I don't even know who they are. They're like, oh, could you help me find a job? Look at my CV and refer me to ANZ. I'm like, hang on a second. I don't even know you. <laughs> and uh, for those who, you know, initially catch up with me after event, if the first thing they ask is, oh, could you refer me a job? I'm like, mm, I don't think you are treating me as a friend or, you know, someone you want to build up relationship. Looks like you are treating me as a resource. That's not a good feeling. And um, so do your homework. um, Tell people more about you, who you are, your background. That's how they build up the connection and confidence in you. So they will give you advice such as, you know, how you build up your work experience, how to change your CV, Mm. keep them posted what your progress is. Mm. This is what I have done. I have finished the book. I did this online course. Now Mm. I'm looking for an internship. Can I get some advice from you? And LinkedIn, LinkedIn is a really good way to like keep people updated, right? You don't Absolutely. have to, you don't have to like personally message them or anything. But if you're just keeping all the connections updated, mm-hmm. you're one of them as yeah. well. Yeah, bring yeah. them along your journey. Mm. If they, you know, feel like they know you, they see you have applied and practiced all the learning they taught you, they'll be more willing to help you out. It's like, you know, me helping out an aspiring graduate. One day, he probably going to become my business partner, my client, or become my boss. Who knows? But at least I see strong potential and someone who's going to take actions based on my advice. And I'm looking for those people who are not coming up with all sorts of excuses, but 
getting uh, like having a clear goal and consistently yeah. work on that and get it done. That's the kind of people I would hire. We, we, with no PR, no experience, because I know those kind of people, whatever they choose to do in their life, they get done. Yeah, I love that. I also, also like on that note, right? Right. One of the questions that I had was, how has have you seen like in the job market that COVID has changed, mm-hmm. especially for internationals, whether from China, uh, South Asia, yeah. Southeast Asia. Uh-huh. Yeah. So how has COVID yeah. affected it? Okay, cool. Um, well, so when COVID first started, there are a lot of students like got stuck overseas. So I know most of the international students graduating this year probably has been, you know, studying remotely for at least a year or two. So um, I, I just came back from a prayer fair last week and I met like, you know, hundreds of them. Most of them are really anxious because uh, they don't have the opportunity to, to get any local work experience and by studying online, in China or in India, their English was probably worse than two years ago. And uh, now they have to like, you know, uh, think about how to get the working visa, how to apply for permanent residency, and also how to compete with local students who got the connection, who got the experience, who don't have to worry about PR. Yeah, and um, I, I think that definitely makes it a lot more challenge, challenging for them. But like, you know, the good things is the market is booming. Like, you know, currently the Australian job market is, you know, in high demand of skilled workers. I think there are still something like, you know, 500K um, shortage in terms of labor force. So a lot more companies are more um, open-minded about people only have a working visa or people, you know, don't have that much work experience and are willing to teach you from, from scratch. Like, you know, as long as you demonstrate that you have a strong passion and commitment working in this industry, you are a fast learner and, you know, you you have decent um, people skills and you have strong work ethics. A lot of companies are willing to take you as a blank canvas, but you need to, you know, be more proactive and reach out to those people. Mm. I'll give you an example. Yeah. One of my clients... Um, was a graduate from MIT uh, with engineering background. He wasn't like, you know, the top student. His average is probably like, you know, 60, 65 and got no PR, no work experience. How he got the first job is to code email the CEOs of companies. So he told me he started with code emailing HR, sent a hundred emails, got no reply. He's like, you know what? Maybe I should try the CEOs. And uh, he sent another like <clears throat> 20 call messages on LinkedIn. And one of the CEOs responded him. And he's like, oh, well, I have time uh, this Thursday morning. You, you can come uh-huh. to my office. Let's, let's have a chat. And the first question that he got asked is, most people would just mm-hmm. contact my hiring manager or my HR. What, how, why do you have the gut to contact me? He's like, oh, because I contacted them already and they didn't respond. Uh, I'm like, you know, since, since I'm going to get rejected anyway, probably yeah. I can just uh, give I you a shot. Them. Yeah, yeah. And he started to talk about how he, like, you know, started learning swimming from, from scratch because oh, wow. he, he was really interested in this girl who is like a professional swimmer. <laughs> now that oh, she has become his wife. So <laughs> he like you know practice swimming like you know half an hour for like 800 meters every day 
for like, you know, 12 months until he's got his swimming coach certificate and has taught like 20 students. That's amazing. That resilience is yeah. something quite unique. So even if that company wasn't hiring and mm. usually they just hire people with a PR, he got offered straight away. I I'm like, that. that story, I would have given you an offer. Yeah, 100%. It, it shows resilience. It shows like leadership and initiative, um, you know, capability yeah. in a person. Yeah. I love that so much. And yeah, thanks for sharing that. all the things that you covered during our chat as well. As to like, what are the things that are important? How, how can we prepare? How networking is important? Mm -hmm. And that brings me to the last question. And that is, if there was one thing that you had to tell um, 15 years back, like if you go 15 years back and say, hey, Shirley, you, you got to have this knowledge and that will improve your trajectory or your career. What would that advice be? Learn how to fail well. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I think through my family education, I was not allowed to fail. But, you know, now after what I've been through, on top of like looking for a job as an entrepreneur, like, you know, during COVID, during lockdown, I also have to go through a lot of times when I'm like, well, you know, I have to start from zero again. And what would I assumed, what I prepared for has all been wiped out and I have to pick myself up. Yeah, I think that resilience is the key to my success. That's something that you can't learn by just, you know, um, doing your homework or hang out with your friends, you really need to push yourself out of the comfort zone. It's I not know. easy. Like, you know, the first time that I get on the stage to do public speaking, I was so nervous. Yeah. And the first time that I forced myself to join a debating group by being an introvert, I'm mm -hmm. like, it's not even my place what I'm doing here. However, like, you know, after you've conquered your fear and realize, you know, this is what I'm not good at, since I've already hit the bottom, I can only go up from here and you get better. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely something that, that I want to share yeah. with myself and all the other audience because we, okay. we got so much expectation from our family, from people around us. But, you know, no one can, like, you know, make the decision yes. for you in your life. You, you need to, like, you know, have that ability to, you know, go through your life with an open mindset and learn from trying and error. And it doesn't really matter if you get it straight away or you get it through like, you know, two to three years. Cause you know, the harder it is, the more interesting and the, like, you know, inspiring your story yeah. to be once you've made it. And that's my right. real story. One thing that uh, if you can teach people that is like, you know, learn how to fail well. And that, that as you said, it's a feedback and not a failure. I love that so much. Well, Shirley, thank you so much for sharing everything that you're doing so candidly. And thanks for being so vulnerable and sharing the stories that is not just the highlights, but also the lowlights in, in last uh, 10, 15 years that you have seen in your career. And I'm sure our audience would have enjoyed your story as well. All right. Thanks a lot.